This can be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And good morning, beautiful people. And definitely, if you were like me, you were up all night. And hopefully you're getting ready to enjoy a fantastic Memorial Day weekend with LSU baseball looking to survive and maybe improve their lot in life. Because, again, they've got some work to do when it comes to getting into a regional host spot, according to some. In my mind, I think they've already secured that. But it's always really nice if they can come away with a really nice win over Kentucky again and then they play Tennessee. Pulling off an upset against Tennessee – to advance to the finals would be massive. And again, it would, wouldn't would surprise me because LSU has always been a team that shows up really well in the SEC tournament. I talked about it last week. It's the, SE, it's the LSU Invitational. It gives them an opportunity to kind of jump over the top in terms of the committee. And according to some people, I know some of the projections have had LSU already penciled in as a regional host, so hopefully things can get back to normalcy this coming weekend. But we're going to get to some LSU talk in a little bit in this show. Appreciate you listening in, as always, be it through the FM dial, the tower power of 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, and also through the free mobile app. I know everybody's making their way over to the beach or wherever they're going. Appreciate you listening in. However you're doing so. we got the 1037game.com. We've got the free mobile app. You can download that today. Or your smart speakers. Just tell your smart speaker to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Here live inside the game studios, as always, looking forward to this Memorial Day weekend. And this is a perfect way to start it off by getting down to brass tacks of what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning because this, my friends, is your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. The conference where it just means more completely bungled this SEC tournament. It's the final year in Hoover, Alabama, and thank God, This is the last year of that because it's been an unmitigated disaster most years because you have games that just go on and on and on into the wee hours of the morning for the second straight day. LSU had to play well into 1 a.m. Damn near. I think they wrapped up around 1.30 or so the broadcast, which you can hear right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. And I've been here. 
eight years. I've been dealing with Acadiana Sports Station for the last eight years. Started as an intern here and then moved my way up somehow, some way into being operations. Don't know how that happened. And I've dealt with more scenarios than Doctor Strange in the multiverse. And I don't think I've ever had as hectic, hectic of a week behind the scenes with the SEC getting jobbed out to Mother Nature again and again. So to kind of recap things in case you've been missing some stuff, LSU was originally supposed to play on Wednesday night as the last game on the docket. But they had to wait till Thursday to get that game in because of the weather, which had been known about pretty much since last week. I did a quick Google search heading into the final game against Vanderbilt, doing my research, figuring out how things are going to be mapped out. And of course, we see the dreaded our word in the world of baseball rain always causes umpteen million issues regardless of the level of baseball that's why we see a lot more domes these days and i feel like honestly i'd call up men and maid i'd call up anybody that has a dome stadium beg like, hey is there any chance we would have some availability in the next few weeks and be able to book something out for the tournament. He's already kind of have a loose partnership, loose association with Minute Maid with the Shriners College Classic where you've always got some of the best SEC teams, some of the best Big 12 teams, and some of those being soon to be SEC teams in Texas and Oklahoma. So, it's mind-blowing that that's what happened. And the biggest reason why I just think they completely screwed the pooch with all this is the fact that they did not pivot and they kept it as is with the format. They stayed in their lane. And I can completely understand at least some of that because the SEC focused more on the dollars and cents because the SEC has a network. And that's the biggest thing that's causing the issues that we've had because the Sunbelt Tournament which has a contract with the four-letter network only on the plus so they can get away with, hey, we can kind of adjust the format on the fly. The SEC was more focused on the revenue and the ratings of the SEC tournament, which, mind you, I'm sure they were, it's a bonanza. But it's it's head scratch to say the least. And just makes it a giant logjam. I could probably use some other words, but I like my job here at Acadiana Sports Station or Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Old habits die hard. But the revenue that the SEC, as well as the four-letter network, it's too big for them to just do a single elimination tournament based on what we've got in the last few days. The Sun Belt, just using them as an example, is they're about 45 minutes away from Hoover, Alabama in Montgomery, and they made the right decision to have this be a single elimination scenario where you win or you go home. And now they took a whole day off on Thursday because they knew the weather was going to be better by Friday. There should have been a contingency plan in place once you get past a certain point. Like on Wednesday, if you weren't able to get in your all of your play-in games, and all I, again, I'm using the play-in game term because that's basically what it is. If you just get those games in, take the day off, play Friday, get the top eight teams in, get those games in, get the quarterfinals, semifinals can be on Saturday, 
Sunday championship game, you still stay on schedule. But again, there's only so many times he can play the Warren Morris documentary on the SEC Network. There's only so many times he can play some of these other things that they have. And you don't have the opportunity to kind of just have some emergency programming. Because the SEC Network will always, especially during the tournament, will always play the same two or three documentaries. I, at least it's just what I have noticed over the years. And again, the people out in Hoover, Alabama, had to appease the overlords from those four-letter networks because they expect you to have games every day and get to the point where you can get this through. And kudos, they're actually able to get it through and be able to figure this out and get the games rolling. Thank God Thursday wound up being a lot better, especially more towards the nighttime hour because I was concerned you were going to be able to have to have LSU play at Friday at like 9 a.m. and then have to play in the nightcap. And that would have it just would have been a complete mess. And who's to say that you'd have to, if you're a semifinal team, you might have had to play that same day as a championship game, play that, then 30 minutes later, you play again. That would have been an unfair advantage. Let's just say LSU hypothetically would be that team that's coming out of the loser's bracket and has to win to advance and play at like 9 a.m. And then they play again at 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. So LSU, the SEC was able to bail itself out because of the weather. Mother Nature gave them a solid after jobbing them out for a couple days. Like, seriously, it was some of the worst stuff I was seeing. You know, we got some of it the other day, but it was nothing compared to what I saw from the conference that just means more in the state of Alabama. Hell, the ACC tournament was dealing with the same stuff, and we saw the same issues continue to pop up. And thank goodness this is the last year it's at Hoover Met. I said it earlier. Minute Maid Park, somebody with a dome, you've got to engage in the conversations. Or at least move it to a place where you feel like you have a better opportunity to get all these games in. Now, where that's at, I don't know. I don't know where that could be, to be quite honest with you, in terms relative to your geographic footprint. Nashville, New Orleans, they were proposing an opportunity to host those tournaments. Now, I don't know how New Orleans stands now because the Shriner Airlines more used as a rugby field nowadays versus an actual baseball stadium where all that kind of pans out. Nashville's one that was trying to get the rights to it before the SEC decided to give them a couple extra years because of all the stuff that's happened with COVID and everything in between. Now, what happens next? It's the million-dollar question that we're all wondering with that tournament I'd say probably would be I, it's you got a year to figure it out but I wouldn't be surprised if Hoover gets one more like just one more year an extended stay of execution or you go find someplace else that's going to be willing to have you take over that city for four or five days and hopefully the weather does indeed hold out because Tournaments in baseball are a like dice roll and then some. You want to talk about going to the casino and have those thrills? Go to an go to an SEC tournament 
or a Sunbelt tournament, and I guarantee you, you will have those same kind of thrills, if you're, especially if you're covering it. It is a complete and utter mess. So, that's where I'm at with all this. The SEC tournament, the Southeastern Conference, where just means more, did more damage with this year's tournament, more than anything. And simply because of the fact that they just had every opportunity to pivot and change. But they did not. They did not even bother to have a chance to change their minds and say, hey, let's go ahead and do a single elimination. Now, again, it could have just been simply because of the network, the SEC network, the four-letter network, saying, hey, get these games in, give me content, damn it. Because, again, live revenue in terms of cable television plays a huge role nowadays. Like, you look at the ratings up and down and sideways, the SEC Network live events probably do a hell of a lot better than whatever they do, the SEC Now or, let's just say it, Paul, the Paul Feinbaum Show. I guarantee you the actual games that are played on the network and it goes across the board. I'm not just talking SEC Network, Four Letter Network. I'm talking TNT. I'm talking TBS. All that stuff. The money nowadays is in live event revenue in terms of ratings and pleasing advertisers. So I get it at least from the fiscal sense. But I think at the end of the day, the SEC should have absolutely set itself up to have a plan B. It's always good to have a plan B. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We'll be back after this. We're going to talk some Justin Verlander, but I've also got something for you, and that is a pair of Downtown Rising tickets. So I'm going to unveil my trivia question to you, and you give me a call, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. You give us a call when I reveal that trivia question in the next segment, and then we will have some fun. In full disclosure, if you win, the first caller that answers the question right is going to win. Just stay on hold for a while. I'll keep going in my segment, and then whenever I take a break, I'll get to you. Speaking of a break, let's go ahead and take one right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk Justin Verlander and the career renaissance that man has had. Yes, he stunk it up last night. We're not necessarily talking about that. We're talking about the overall body of work. And we're talking about that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And I got to say, we got tons of great things available right now inside the game clubhouse. 
at 1037thegame.com. One of those is a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or you can even get a $150 gift certificate to one of the best damn restaurants in the entire state, and that is Mr. Lester Steakhouse. A $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, which is located inside Cypress Bayou Casino, and my goodness, I'm talking about it, and again, I'm trying to lose some weight while I'm kind of doubling back with some some bad habits, if you will, the last couple days. But we're, we're getting better. We're trying to just bounce back and get things under control before it gets too bad and get back more towards the plus side of where I'm at. But anyways, so make sure you sign up today because I can't win this. Only you can win this stuff. And you got to sign up today by being a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's fun. It's simple. And more importantly, it's free. F-R-E-E, that spells free. And we're not talking about a credit report. We're talking about the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We got Brian Lazar. He'll be joining the show in about 10 minutes or so. But in the meantime and in between time, I said I had a trivia question for you. And this will give you a chance to go to Downtown Rising, which I think is going to be the biggest party of the summer. This weekend officially kicks off the summer. In the state of Louisiana, I think there's nothing bigger than Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids. They just announced the full schedule. You can check it out on our sister station, 106.3 Radio Lafayette, the full lineup of all the events going down. It all ends with Cold War kids around 8 o'clock that Saturday. So, if you're listening and you can make it next Saturday to Downtown Rising, it's going to be an all-day event. It's going to be amazing. I want you to call me up at 337 706-0111, 337-706-0111, and give me the answer to this trivia question right here, right now. And I feel like making it easy because, hey, it's a Saturday. Hopefully, you're listening in, and you give us the time, and you give us this answer. What team blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. Again, what team blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl? I think that's simple, easy, effective. Give me a call. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. And if you do call and you're the winner, make sure you stay on the line. Let's see who we got. Looks like Looks like the phone line's are blowing up, so let's get to it right now. Caller number one, you're on Under the Dome. Can you answer the trivia question? I think it might be Buffalo Bills. It was not the Buffalo Bills. Thank you for trying. All right, we're going to go ahead and keep this party rolling. Got another caller right now. The question, again, is what team blew a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl? Keep it simple, stupid sometimes, and think it works. So let's go to the hotline once again. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Oh, it's just the Dirty Birds. There we go, the Atlanta Falcons. And I no, th- no, it's the Dirty Birds. That's, the, that's du- the foot calls them, right? The Dirty Birds, the Falcons, it's all it's all the same. Is this Frank, by the way? No, it is not Frank. Okay. This is Rusty. Rusty, okay. I could, I, it sounded like one of our other regular callers. So, Rusty. Oh. 
it's all good. But Rusty, congratulations, you are in. If you don't mind, hang tight through this segment. When I take a timeout, I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna, just stay on the line. Yes, sir. That way, yes, I can sir. get some information from you. Congratulations no once again to our guy Rusty for getting the win and being the winner of a pair of downtown rising tickets this time next Saturday. And of course, it was the Atlanta Falcons, one of those iconic collapses. And that's saying something with a Falcons franchise that in recent years was having a ton of those towards the end of the Dan Quinn era. I can remember the 2020 season. They had like four or five games where they absolutely C-wrapped the bed every week. And it was amazing. As a Saints fan, that was one of the most wonderful times the second you watched a – I can vividly remember. I mean, go back and watch the Cowboys-Falcons game. As a person who hates the Cowboys probably as much as the Falcons as the, as I hate the Dirty Birds, there's no doubt in my mind that was one of my favorite moments in the history of the league because it was a like collapse that was very much – Something I enjoyed seeing, and hopefully you did as well. But anyways, I want to get to some stuff about Justin Verlander. Last night, I ironically, I had this segment penciled in probably midweek. Once I realized, you know, Justin Verlander, he's going to start on Friday against the Seattle Mariners out in Asia, as Kevin Foote likes to say. He's playing out in Asia. And I'm like, okay, I think he has a chance to maybe win another game. And, you know, Justin Verlander has been on an absolute tear this year. He's been... One of the best pitchers in all of baseball in 2022. He literally has a. I mean, he somehow, some way got a no decision out of this. I, or better yet, pro, I think this might be wrong. Just in terms of how 2022 worked out for him. Let me pull this up. Somehow, some way, he got a no decision. No, no, it's a loss. It's a loss. Sorry. But still, like a. Pretty solid record on the year. He had a loss to start the season against the Angels of Anaheim. But overall, his entire body of work has been stellar. And again, this is a guy that came off of Tommy John surgery in 2020. Like, during that COVID-shortened year, had to go deal with Tommy John. And at the age he's at, again, this ain't no spring chicken we're talking about here. We're talking about a guy who is... Damn near 40. He's 39 years old. He just turned 39 not long ago. And he just came off of his first Tommy John. And mind you, the the marvels of modern medicine make it to where I think that everything that they do right, everything that he, they have set up in the modern era of sports, it helps to where guys can be have their careers extended. And this is a big point for me. As somebody who loves the Astros, this was a guy I didn't know what I was going to get out of him in 2022. It felt like this could have been a last dance type thing where he just doesn't perform to a certain level, and it's like his legacy gets tarnished a little bit. Lo and behold, 6-2 and two on the year. Now, is he on pace to kind of hit his career high of 24 wins they had back in 2011 with the Detroit Tigers. I'm not necessarily sure, but he has a really good shot at getting to that based off of what I've seen this year. 
He's had some really good performances. He damn near had a no-hitter a while back against the Minnesota Twins earlier in the month. He had a two-hitter the next day, the next game against the Nats five days later. The guy is an absolute machine, and I love seeing that because the Astros rotation is really solid, and you about to imagine it gets better once McCullers does indeed become available, hopefully in September, but there's no guarantee there. But that's where I'm at with Justin Verlander. Fantastic player, has done a phenomenal job piecing everything together. And he's been able to have this career renaissance that you love to see if you're a baseball fan. Somebody who has just been an abs- like a great guy in general, and Justin Verlander deserves to have a great opportunity to hoist up the Cy Young Award when it's all said and done. And I think he definitely has a really good chance. He's just got to continue to build off of that. He needs to have less of what happened last night, allowing two two-run blasts in a loss to the Seattle Mariners. Overall, hadn't allowed that many home runs. He allowed double what he allowed before last night. And he had a a streak where he was 19 innings total. He hadn't allowed a run. And streaks are made to be broken, but that's pretty damn impressive. Damn near four starts. It was three starts, and then start number four, the wheels fall off, and he allows six runs. His ERA went up a little bit, but again, it is what it is. You live, you learn, and you get better down the road, and hopefully we don't see a continuation of this. Because Justin Verlander is poised to be a front runner heading into the break with a Cy Young Award waiting for him and maybe a big postseason run when it's all said and done. We'll take a quick timeout. We're going to have on our good friend Brian Lazar of Tiger Bay coming up next, talking LSU baseball. And we'll get to that right after this on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and a 104.1 Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a great one so far. I know I sure am because I'm here with you after all. And we had a winner. Our guy Rusty. As soon as went to break, picked up the phone. Looks like he the call wound up dropping. So Rusty, hopefully you're still listening. You want to get some LSU baseball insight from our good friend Brian Lazar. Going to introduce him in a moment. But after the segment's over, I want you, Rusty, to call us back up at 337-706-0111. After the segment, keyword there, after the segment, give me a call at 337-706-0111. It is just that simple. And we talk about Brian Lazar. We need to get him aboard the program. 
He is the senior writer for TigerBait.com. Brian Lazar joins us. And Brian, how you doing? Good, Glenn. How you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good, considering the fact that I was up till almost two o'clock in the morning, making sure everything's ready to roll on a looks to be a potentially busy Saturday for the LSU Tigers. Let's take a step back and look at what happened last night with Tennessee and what kind of happened there, because it looked like Ty Floyd LSU was putting their best foot forward, putting their best guy available in that game where it's like you have a chance to punch your ticket to the semifinals and further improve your stance and your RPI, what happened last night that caused him to kind of lose this game? Well, I mean, I think you saw Floyd pitching in a very, you know, critical game. You know, here's somebody that uh, last year as a, as a uh, true freshman, there's uh, a lot of promise, and he was more or less up and down last year. He came back this year. Uh, Jay Johnson put him in the, in the starting rotation to begin the year. Uh, again, did not was not consistent when he had a poor start in the uh, first SEC series against Texas A&M. He took him out of the conference rotation, uh, let him throw more in the midweek. And as the year went on, he got better and made some good outings. And uh, so he moved in last weekend. Uh, you know, he got the Friday start against uh, Vanderbilt and pitched very well. And so he went in the same hole in the SEC tournament, number two behind Mikhail Hilliard. And, uh, you know, he just you know did not throw that well. And I, I think that the moment may have been too much for him. You know, he he uh, wild-pitched in a run in the first. He issued a bases-loaded walk in the second. Uh, then... And they scored their next two runs, I believe, believe it was the fifth off of him, right after LSU pulled within a run at 3-2. to two. The first guy up for Tennessee in the bottom of the fifth hit a ground ball right, right back at him. That, you know, he, it, I believe it went as a base hit, but he could have easily fielded the ball, but he didn't. And Tennessee went on and scored two runs that inning. So, I mean, you know, it was not a good start for Floyd. And he had to be on his best with Tennessee throwing its number one guy, Chase Dolander, who, you know, threw like he normally does. He threw almost seven innings, gave up just two runs and six hits. One of the runs was unearned. He walked two, struck out nine. So you were going to have to be very good. Uh, Floyd was going to have to be very good to match Dolander. He couldn't do it. And, uh, you know, look, uh, Trent Vitmeyer was excellent out of the bullpen. He faced 10 re- batters and retired all of them. LSU stayed close, but, uh, you know, between Dolander and then Tennessee's closer, Redmond Walsh, in the last couple innings, you know, they couldn't do anything, and so they're in the loser's bracket this afternoon against Kentucky. And you look at what LSU did a couple nights ago against the Kentucky Wildcats, it's like you kind of expect them to probably win this game, especially if we see the offense perform as well as they did despite the fact that you were without Jacob Berry and Kay Doty, two of your heavy hitters, you, I mean, I think this team has a solid chance to further improve their resume. But looking at the game tonight, what's going to be the big key for this team? Well, I think today, this, this afternoon's game, this will be LSU's third game in the tournament. This will be Kentucky's fourth. So you're certainly getting sort of down the line in pitching. So you're going to have to score some runs. Now, look, LSU's LSU staff is well-rested. I mean, I'm 
I'm not sure yet who Jay Johnson is going to start this afternoon. I mean, if he goes like he's been doing all year, you would say Samuel Dutton will be the first guy out there, but he's got uh, a bullpen. You know, Eric Razelman is not yet thrown in the tournament. Uh, Paul Gervais is not thrown yet in the tournament. So those are two of the better bullpen guys that have not yet pitched. Uh, Riley Cooper has just made one appearance. So the LSU's got plenty of pitchers. Uh, probably more so than Kentucky, but it's a matter of, you know, you figure you're going to have to score some runs. When you get into the loser's bracket, you're going to have to score some runs, and uh, that's what just we'll see uh, see this afternoon. That's that's what LSU needs to do. Talk right now, Brian Lazar, TigerBait.com, and looking at ahead, I mean, I hate to do this right now, but we're in the, we're in the middle of the SEC tournament after all. But based off of the projections, where do you think L- – does LSU – need to do any more to secure a host spot or is that thing all but secured at this point well uh, no i don't think it's 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 wrapped up by any means uh look you you can look at this if there's some positives and there's some negatives uh i would say this usually the sec gets four host spots now projections right now have the SEC only getting three. Uh, But I've always said, if you're one of the four best teams in the SEC, you're going to host. Well, where does LSU stack up right now? Well, they're definitely behind Tennessee, and they're definitely behind Texas A&M. Then after that, uh, I really would say they're in there with Auburn, and possibly Florida. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think Arkansas, which is RPI is not good, two straight losses in the SEC tournament, so I, I think they're out of the hosting situation. So I really think it's when you're matching in the conference, it's Auburn, it's LSU, and it's Florida, and, you know, two of those three schools I think are going to host. Now, Florida has the most work to do just because they had a 15-15 conference record, uh, but they're still alive in the SEC tournament. They have Their RPI is better than LSU's RPI because they played a much tougher schedule. You know, they have all those nine conference games against Miami and Florida State, which certainly boosts their, uh, their RPI. Uh, Auburn has a better RPI than LSU but did not end the year well. Uh, Auburn does have the head-to-head series win over LSU. LSU has the head-to-head series win over Florida. So, look, uh, I think this. You know, Florida's playing right now uh, this morning against Alabama in an elimination game. Florida's got ahead early in that one, one to nothing in the first inning. Uh, I think for LSU to host, LSU really – needs Florida to get out of the picture. You know, so I don't I don't think if Florida would win this morning against Alabama and then beat Texas A&M this evening and reach the SEC championship game, now you're really going to have Florida in the mix as a host. So uh, I think LSU needs to get Florida out of there because I really think LSU would get a host spot over Auburn. Now, that being said, I don't think LSU can afford a loss to Kentucky. You know, I think a loss to Kentucky is going to, is going to hurt them. You know, LSU's RPI this morning is at 22. 
So it has dropped a little bit over the last couple of days. So, uh, you know, the win over Kentucky didn't help it. And then even though Tennessee as a number one RPI, the loss didn't help it as well as what some other teams did around the country to boost there. So uh, I would say this. the first two games today in Hoover, LSU needs Florida to lose, and, of course, they need to beat Kentucky. Talking now with Brian Lazar of TigerBait.com. And, you know, Brian, one of the other things that I'm wondering is, like, just looking at the SEC tournament as a whole, what are your overall thoughts on how they handled this situation? Because it felt like they could have probably gone ahead and flipped over to a single elimination format, but instead they focused more on the dollars and the cents and the, and the ad revenue that they were going to be getting from this live event, this SEC tournament. Do you, do you think there was ever even a conversation, considering all the weather that was going on over this week, to ever go single elimination, or was it always just going to be figure out a way to get us to Sunday? No, look, it they could not afford it another rainout because the schedule was set. I mean, the schedule normally – you only play two games on a Friday. Well, you can easily get that to four. And you normally only play two games on a Saturday. So that, but so you can easily get that to four. So as Ella, the conference had the maximum number, number of rainouts. Now, if they would have not been uh, where they were after Thursday, then it would, have, it would have been interesting to see what the conference could have done. Look, they could have done what the Big Ten is doing. Uh, they could have said, okay, on, on Sunday, we'll play the semifinal games early, and then the championship game will push it back and play later. So, I mean, they really had – they didn't have to just play one game on Sunday. And that's what the Big Ten's doing. The Big Ten will possibly – will be playing its semifinal games uh, if, if they are necessary uh, tomorrow morning before their championship game. So – no, I think I think everybody and look, money does play a part. You know, the fans have bought tickets for X number of games, so they don't want it to be uh, shortened. I think this. I think what would have happened if they had more rain? I think they would have played at two sites. You know, you got a bunch of other college facilities in Birmingham. You have, uh, you know, UAB. You have Samford. So there were other places that you could play in Birmingham. I think that's what the SWAC is doing. The SWAC uh, played after they got its rain. They're they're playing some games at uh, at UAB's field. So I think that would have been the next move for the conference. They would have said, "Well, can, is there a second field that we can use?" Uh, and they would have done that before they would talked about changing to single elimination. And Brian, before I let you go, we're talking about the about the SEC tournament. This is the last year it's going to be at Hoover Met, based off of what I've been hearing. Where do you think they're going to move the tournament over to? Could they potentially move this thing over to Minute Maid Park, or is that more wishful thinking there? Well, I think they have to wait and see. Uh, you know, I think everybody enjoys it being at Hoover. I think you're talking about a situation that in the future. When, you know, Oklahoma and Texas get in the conference, I think maybe you talk about moving it to uh, to a more westerly site like Houston, uh, just for, for those fan bases. But, uh, look, I, I think Hoover does a great job. It's right there in the middle of, uh, you know, the SEC offices are right there in Birmingham. So myself, 
uh, you know, I'm not saying Hoover's out of the picture, uh, but uh, I think it's done a good job in the many years it's been there. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Okay, you too. Thanks. Anytime. All right, that was Brian Lazar of Tiger Bay. We're going to take a quick timeout. So, Rusty, if you are still listening, give us a call at 337-706-0111 in the break. Need to get some information from you. If not, we're going to run this thing back to start off our number two. But he talked about Florida. Florida just started their game no more than 15 minutes ago. They're already up 4-0, had a leadoff bomb, and then RBI double and another, excuse me, he had a homer from Langford to start off the ball game on a 1-1 count. Then Caglione hit a RBI double to make it a 2-0 ball game. Then a two-run single from Rivera made it a 4-0 ball game, headed to the bottom of the first. So we'll be back after this right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back after this. famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. I got some some good news here to start off this segment. Then we'll get to my fave five picks to click. Our guy Rusty, he didn't want the tickets. He just wanted to answer the question. Well, that means we got another trivia question coming your way at the top of the hour. We're going to run this thing back. I've got another question kind of in relation to the Saints. We're going to go ahead and talk about that when we come back in this at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. I've got a question for you. You answer it, and you want the tickets. I'll give you the number again, 337-706-0111. We'll do the trivia question at the top of the hour, so keep it locked right here. So I want to get into my picks to click for this weekend, but I want to take a step back and go back to this past weekend. It was another four out of five weekend, and I'm so mad that the one I thought was the most guaranteed didn't happen. Holly Holm lost to Vieira over the weekend, and it's like, yeah, and she lost by decision. Like It was like, come on, man. How can I lose that one? But, you know, again, is what it is. Lost that one. We bounced back, and we tried to do better this weekend. And it's a lot of baseball on the on the line this weekend in my five-leg parlay. We start with the Boston Red Sox taking on the Baltimore Orioles in just a little bit. Give me that at minus 195. Tampa Bay Race taking on the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole on the bump, who's been very up and down since joining the Yankees. I'll go the Rays on this one, plus 120. The Yankees are playing really well, but I think this is a game that I think the Rays can win. Padres minus 250 against the Pittsburgh Pirates feels like easy money. Then tonight, 
Carolina Hurricanes taking on the New York Rangers at 7.07. I've got the Hurricanes winning minus 105. And the last one, we got to go more towards Sunday night's action. Game 7 of a bad Eastern Conference Finals. It's been competitive, but the play on the on the court has been bad. Same with the Western Conference. Bad basketball all the way around. It got better last night. We'll talk about that more in our, in our two. But I'll go with the Heat. I think the momentum is squarely in their favor. They're at home, and after what we saw from Jimmy Butler last night, I got to give the edge to the Heat at plus 125. If all this hits this weekend, you are $102.34 richer if you put down $5. Now, I'm still a little butthurt about the fact that I don't win the $300 that I had. I had $35 on a bet for the Bucks and the Warriors to win the playoff, to, to advance to the NBA Finals. That don't happen. I missed out on that, but I did have the Western Conference winner from a while back when we had our kind of futures bet segment. So I won that. That said, I've still haven't quite settled my bet of a championship. And if the Warriors win there, your boy gets $192 coming my way. Back after this hour two coming up next. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, we are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <laughs> 